This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 150 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, and with me, my good brother, good friend, the man who's been here through it all, through and through, my good brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to a very special episode of the DCAU Review, episode 150. That's right. You, uh, you haven't gotten rid of us yet, folks. We're still here, 150 episodes, running strong, and for the first time, we are not reviewing a new DC cartoon or movie or animated film. Instead, what we're going to do, since this is uh, something of an, uh, you know, a, a milestone episode uh, at, at 150, uh, we're going to look back at our first 149 reviews and pick our favorite plots, our favorite visuals, our favorite music and our favorite voice acting performances from the 149 episodes and actually more than that because we've had some double features in there so from our from our 149 episodes we will pick our favorite things from those four categories that we use to break down each and every episode we have done so far that's right liam so as you mentioned we have covered uh, every series thus far uh, in the DCAU, we have covered uh, what minus depends uh, <laughs> depends if you want to count the Zeta project or not. We tend to pr- to just pretend that it doesn't exist until we absolutely have to acknowledge it. I think it's the strategy <laughs> that we've t- we've decided to cover here. Uh, so, in theory, we've covered a- an episode of every every series thus far of the DCAU. Uh, we have definitely covered a lot of memorable Elseworlds episodes as well. Uh, but for this week, as you mentioned, we are going to discuss a sort of a DCAU review review, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> a DCAU review inception here as we go through some of our greatest hits. You see uh, sitcoms back in the day would do these clip shows where they would just, you know, they would take highlights from various different clips and mash them all together and make a 22 minute episode. And you're like, man, this is a waste of my time. Why am I watching this? But (laughs) um, we actually have a cool function that we're going to do at the end to make this, uh, make this worth our listeners while as well. Uh, That is not only are we going to discuss our favorites uh, that we've covered thus far and uh, breaking those four categories down that we that we do each and every time. Uh, but we are also going to nominate some new members of our top picks category. So if you're not familiar, uh, if the listeners aren't familiar with our top picks category, Liam, give them a little background on what that is. Yeah, so uh, as mentioned, we have these four categories, uh, plot, visuals, and animation, music, and voice acting. Um, And each category, when we're done talking about it, we rank that category for that episode or film or whatever it is that we're reviewing uh, from one to 10. And then at the end of each show, we have a final score, which will be a blank out of 40. Uh, We've had a few episodes that reach a 40 out of 40, which you can you can find in the archives at DCAUReview.com. But if you go to DCAUReview.com, you'll see a section marked top picks. And in that section is every episode 
episode that we have reviewed where one of us, either myself or Cal, has given the show at least a 37 out of 40 or higher. So this is the real cream of the crop stuff we're talking about. But uh, as an aside, and if you've been listening for a while, you'll know we've, we've mentioned several times that sometimes that final score doesn't always reflect how we truly feel, the love we might have for a specific episode. So we feel there might be some episodes that didn't quite crack that 37 uh, point threshold, but still deserve to be mentioned in that cream of the crop top pick section. And so we will have a couple of inductions uh, for that, a couple each, in fact. That's right. Yeah. As we mentioned, there's some of these also that we look back on and I think there's some regret almost that we have uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that we reviewed them so early on as we were sort of finding our feet and getting our rhythm. Uh, so this will give us an opportunity to touch on some of those, those episodes that maybe were early on in our, in the archives at DCAUreview.com. Keep in mind, you can listen to each and every one of these episodes that we're going to cover and we'll try and reference the original episodes uh, that we cover them with as we go through here, Liam. Uh, but uh, why don't we kick things off? Uh, every episode that we have done thus far, we have started out reviewing our plot. And the plot of the episode, obviously, uh, front and center, as we cover, as, we, as we've covered, uh, you know, 149 plus different episodes of, of various DC cartoons here. Uh, so I, I will will throw out a disclaimer here. Uh, none of the episodes that we'll be discussing today are Elseworlds. Uh, those episodes kind of stand on their own. So we decided to stick to just DCAU cartoons when it comes to that. There are Elseworlds episodes that ended up in our top pick section. Uh, I think mm-hmm. at least multiple episodes of Batman, the Brave and the Bold have wound up in that, that top pick section. So uh, you can definitely check those out also in the archives at DCAUreview.com. But for tonight... We will just be discussing DC animated universe cartoons and uh, the uh, the Batman, the animated series all the way up through Batman Beyond and Justice League Unlimited cartoon series. But uh, Liam, let's let's kick things off here. Let's uh, we I guess we can ping pong it back and forth here as we go through. We're going to mm-hmm. start with our favorite plots. I will defer to you to start first with uh, your favorite plot. I, I believe we have three picks from each of these categories also that we'll go through to discuss. That's right. And uh, my first pick, uh, I'm not really going to rank them three to one or one to three. It's just kind of three that I like a lot. And that sort of came to mind. There's like the first three that came to mind in each category. I tried to go with instinct. We talk, we talk about that off the air quite often about how, when, when you get that score in your head, you go with that instinct. You don't hem and haw and argue with yourself about it. You go with that <laughs> score. And that's kind of what I tried to do here. So the first three plots that came to mind, my first plot here is uh, an episode we covered back in episode 80 of our show. And that would be Robin's reckoning parts one and two. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Obviously it's such a pivotal, a pivotal easy for me to say it's (laughs) such a pivotal episode in the Batman, the animated series run. Um, And it's, it obviously meant a lot to both of us growing up because as we mentioned so often, it's one of those, we had the Warner home video uh, Robin tape uh, that featured that episode on it. So that was something that we could rewatch over and over and over and over again. And uh, that obviously the, the plot in and of itself Robin coming to this uh, coming to this realization that he could possibly take revenge against 
the man that was responsible for killing his family. Uh, Liam, I, that, that's, that's a great one. And there's a, a lot about that two parter that sticks out as being memorable and, and certainly noteworthy. Yeah, I will mention here, I'll try to look these up as we go. Uh, Randy Rogel wrote both parts of that episode. Um, and it's, it's really quite uh, an interesting story because not only are we, we're getting the DCAU version of this classic uh, character and Robin, um, his origin story, we get flashbacks to seeing him as a child the immediate aftermath of him dealing with the death of his parents, the anger he feels, the frustration he feels, how, you know, Bruce Wayne sort of becomes the surrogate father to him. Hey, Dick. How you doing? Fine. Sorry I haven't been around. I forget how big and lonely this place can be. That's okay. As it turns out, I may have some free time starting tomorrow. How'd you like to catch the Gotham Knights season opener? Box seats. Great. I know it must be very difficult. If only I could have stopped him. I saw him coming out of the tent. I knew he didn't belong there. I know. You keep thinking, if only I'd done something differently. If only I could have warned them. But there isn't anything you could have done. There isn't anything either of us could have done. Your mom and dad? Does the hurt ever go away? I wish I could say yes. But it will get better in time. For you. That I promise. Um, and then we also have this present day story where the man, uh, Tony Zuko, who killed Robin's parents, Dick Grayson's parents, is back in town. And Batman sort of realizes it a little bit before before Robin does and basically tries to shut him out and tries to work the case alone. And so you're dealing with not only are you seeing this deeply emotional sort of father son bond form in the flashbacks, but you're also seeing that bond begin to tear to begin to you begin to see the wear and tear on it mm. that eventually will result in Dick Grayson leaving to become Nightwing later on in uh, in the new Batman adventures. So it's such a pivotal episode and it feels like this this it's it's such a, a great story and Robin has always been a character that I've I've uh, all Robins especially the Tim Drake version but certainly this Dick Grayson as well well has always been one that personally i have always gravitated towards um and so to see to see the beginnings of that bond form in the flashbacks and then the beginning of the end bond in in the present day it makes for a really dramatic uh uh two uh two episodes and all sort of culminating in this fight on the docks where robin ultimately has to make the decision whether or not he should take bloody revenge on the man who who ruined his life who killed his parents and and batman sort of just being able to sort of talk him down from the ledge and it's 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 really quite tremendous yeah i agree it's well deserving of everything that you just said and certainly well deserving of being uh one of our favorites thus far um so Liam, my first pick uh, and my favorite plots as we go through here is actually we're going to the future. The future, Callum? That's right. All the way to 50 years from now. 
into the future whenever now is. Uh, that's right. We're, <laughs> my first pick is going to be we're headed back to episode 28 in the archives at DCAUReview.com. And that was where we covered Meltdown, which was written by Hillary J. Bader. Uh, Hillary Bader actually wrote a lot of uh, the Batman Beyond episodes, kind of an unsung hero when it comes to, to writing, wrote mm-hmm. a lot of stuff actually <laughs> across the DCAU, a, a tremendous writer. But uh, Meltdown stuck out to me as one of my favorite plots. And it was one uh, early on, obviously, in our in our review time. But that episode is the perfect bookend to the the tragedy that was Victor Freeze. And if you go back and listen to that episode, I think that it's so early on in the Batman Beyond run also, but it really set the tone that uh, for what what the show was going to be like it's it's i think if not top three batman beyond episodes maybe top two batman beyond episodes in my opinion (laughs) wow yeah no it's it's a tremendous story as you mentioned it's such an interesting bookend to where uh you know the tragedy of mr freeze from his first appearance in in heart of ice to all the way to the end here where we see him, he's a head in a jar. He's given the second chance at life seemingly, but then it sort of turns out that he's all just a pawn in this, uh, you know, this co- for this, this corporation, Derek Powers, who has, you know, transformed into blight is looking for a way out of, uh, of this hideous transformation that he can't control. And they kind of use Victor freeze as this Guinea pig. And sort of when he finds out he's been used, he, he suits back up as Mr. Freeze and, and decides to take revenge against, against the people. And uh, you talk about some memorable, memorable lines, memorable moments. You know, he ends up killing the doctor. You have this all wrong. Do I? Victor, don't do it. And uh, we also get not only is this a great bookend for Mr. Freeze, but it's also the first the first full appearance, the first fight uh, featuring Batman and Blight. Yeah, it's it's a very pivotal episode. You get multiple villains. You get the sort of redemption arc and the sad, tragic ending. There's some a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of conflict between Terry and Bruce, and Terry willing to trust and believe. And and I think we talked about on that episode Terry having this difference of a heart. Bruce has this hardened heart, this belief that evil people are evil or or the evil people that he's dealt with at this point almost have no redemption redemption. He doesn't believe that freeze could really change. And Terry wants so badly to believe and is rooting for Victor freeze to, to turn out differently. And you see at the end when freeze ends up putting the suit back on and his, his Terry's disappointment and his, you know, his just utter sadness at, at what has become, uh, of of poor Victor I, after all of this of of not even as you mentioned not even really his issue he was trying to stay on the straight and narrow path and ended up falling and being used uh, in this as you know as a uh, as a chess piece in this corporate game so 
it's it's a it's a very well written episode. It's like we said, it perfectly bookends the the Heart of Ice award winning episode that that kicks off in Batman the animated series and really gives a a proper tragic ending to this character that just couldn't couldn't seem to find lasting happiness so uh written really well and one that i can go back and watch over and over again and one that what if i think about it too long i start to get pretty emotional and get get chills so uh happy to move on to the next next choice here i'll just say the mr freeze's final words telling batman who's telling him we have to get out of this building it's going to blow up and having his final words before he dies be, you're the only one who cares. Stay where you are. You gotta get out of here, Freeze. The whole place is gonna go. Believe me, you're the only one who cares cutting himself off and allowing, you know, his, the only piece he would find would be death uh, is just so unbelievably melancholy and tragic and yep. perfect for that character. Agreed. All right. Moving on to my second pick here in the plot department. I have the late Mr. Kent, which we uh, reviewed, <laughs> that we reviewed all the way back in episode 14, one of the first Superman episodes that we covered. Uh, and we we covered it so early because we just couldn't wait to talk about it because we knew from from back when we just watched this as purely as fans how much we loved it. And uh, I actually rewatched this just uh, just this week. HBO Max put up uh, Superman, uh, the animated series in HD the first time that show's been uh, up res to a, a proper resolution for modern televisions. Thank God. And, uh, yes. Thank thank heavens. And uh, there's a few growing pains along the way, a few backgrounds missing, but uh, still uh, that I watched the late Mr. Kent this week. And I just, I forgot what a great story. First of all, it's a, it's a fascinating way to tell the story. It's told uh, Clark Kent or Superman is, is narrating the whole thing. So it's this like detective noir story where we start with Clark Kent's funeral. And then we do, you know, two days earlier and he narrates this, we find out that he, you know, interviews this this uh, convict who's on death row for killing a woman. Uh, the convict swears on his life that he didn't kill her, that he never killed anyone. He was a thief. He was a criminal. He was a thief, but he never murdered anyone. Would never hurt anyone. And Clark be- believes him. And the the rest of the episode there is sort of it becomes Clark's needing. It's it's the truth, right? It's the truth and the justice in truth, justice in the American way. According to the computer disc, Walker got his pizza at almost the exact moment the murder was committed, which proved he was innocent. I suppose I could have flown to the governor as Superman and given him the disc, but that could have raised some awkward questions. Maybe there was some ego involved too. I wanted this to be Clark's victory, not Superman's.
one little problem. If the fisherman saw me come out as Superman, he'd know my secret. I was in hot water, all right. But more importantly, how was I going to save Walker without the evidence? Yep. It's, it's he knows he believes this man is innocent. He needs to do everything he can. He, we see him being a reporter, being a detective. He seems to have exonerating evidence for him. And then a car bomb goes off in Clark Kent's uh, car. And so, and obviously not being able to tell the world he's Superman, he is then left with something of a dilemma of not only is Clark Kent now dead? What does that mean for the person? What does that mean for Superman? But also there's still the matter of this innocent man is about to be put to death. And so seeing the importance of the truth and the importance of justice to Superman told through this fascinating detective noir lens, it's such a great story. It's really it's done really well. And it's funny that we did cover that so early on. Uh, and it and it ends on such a shocking note with the 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 execution of the main antagonist of the episode going <laughs> to the gas chambers we talked about. Yes. With a, with a hooded executioner, which is one of those things you're like, wait a minute. They couldn't show Batman punching a bad guy in the face. They couldn't <laughs> show too many guns firing on television with standards and practices, but they could show a villain just a couple years later, they could show an antagonist being executed in a gas chamber. Okay. With a, Uh, (laughs) with a, with a hooded executioner. Yeah. There's no doubt about what's happening. It's not like it's something implied or whatever. No, they should like, they say it's an execution. It's death row. Like it's they're very explicit about what it is. Yeah, I, I believe I forgot to mention, but this episode was written by Stan Berkowitz, and uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating story. And the uh, you know near the end of the episode, Superman is sort of resolved to the fact that even if he has to tell the world that that Clark Kent and Superman are the same, uh, that he will do that in order to make sure that this man goes free. And I, I love that because there's a scene earlier than that in the episode where he tells his parents, Mon Pa, that he'd go crazy if he had to be Superman all the time, that he needs to be Clark Kent, but that in the end, he'd be willing to give that up, willing to give up that privacy, that peace that he finds being Clark Kent if it meant that this innocent man could go free. And like, that's that's Superman, you know, like yep, that's yep. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good. It's a like you said, it's done very uniquely. You have the voiceover, you have all those various aspects, and you have such a a Clark Kent driven uh, plot, uh, which is obviously you know if you know the character of Superman, that is that is who Superman is. Superman is the is the secret identity. Clark Kent is the man. Uh, so. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, it does, does a great job of highlighting that very well written, very memorable, definitely one to go back and watch again, especially on the, uh, the new high res uh, remastered HBO max. If you, uh, if you have that, so definitely. definitely. And Liam, that will bring us to my second pick as we are here discussing 
our favorite plots from episodes that we have covered thus far. And uh, what do you say we take a little trip to the mid, what I believe to be the Midwest or my understanding to be the Midwest and that being the city, not, not, or state. I don't, we don't know what it is The the city of Dakota. That's right. We are going to go and uh, talk a little bit about static shock here. And uh, I think my favorite episode, surprise, maybe surprisingly, especially when it comes to plot, uh, you would think that maybe it would be one of the crossover episodes that we've discussed, one of the Batman, one of the two Batman episodes that we've we've covered thus far. Static Shack, yeah, Static you know, Shack, one of those. sure, yeah, maybe, um, <laughs> but pr- definitely not. Uh, <laughs> honorable mention to Static Shack. That's right, that's right, baby. Oh boy, man. Definitely don't check that episode out in the archives at DCAUreview.com or do that one's for, for Cameron of, of, of Tim <laughs> talk who adores static shack, as well as uh, the hoop squad uh, that comes out of static shock later in an episode we have not yet reviewed, but uh, yeah, can't wait to cover that one, but that one's to- just for Cameron. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but my, my favorite uh, plot so far that we've covered in a static episode is going to be uh, the episode static in Africa. Uh, which of course deals with static sort of learning a little bit about his African heritage. He and his dad and sister take a trip to Africa. And uh, not only do they, do they learn a little bit about uh, his heritage there, but they also happen to run into a unique superhero voiced by one Carl Lumbly, AKA the Martian Manhunter. Uh, And, uh, and it's a very memorable, fun, episode that i think uh ends up being one that i will go back and watch uh, multiple times if outside of those crossover episodes uh, so far i would say has probably been been somewhat rare when it comes to static but this is one that i really really enjoyed uh because it gives you a little bit of that uh it's it's not edutainment so much as some of the other other static episodes tended to be mm-hmm. uh, but it still gives you a little bit of that idea of static learning about his heritage and learning about uh, his roots and those uh, his ancestors that came from Africa, but also learning a little bit about what it means to be a hero and, and seeing a hero that looks like him um, that he can look up to. That isn't just, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, it's just not, not one of the typical uh, superheroes that he may have run into before, but somebody that he can look to and see and want to emulate. Yeah, I think that's that's really uh, uh, the most interesting part of it. Is he, you know, at one point he has a Virgil has a conversation with uh, with Richie and and talks about how, you know, he doesn't feel like a black kid. He feels like just a kid, and asks Richie, "Is this how you feel all the time?" V Man has a trip. It's amazing. There are black people everywhere. Dude, you're in Africa. No, Richie. I mean, ever since I got here, I felt different, connected. Hey, you know, when my dad went to Ireland, he got all goofy, too. It's not like that. It's it's like I've been carrying this weight around all my life without knowing it, and now it's gone. What are you talking about, Verge? In Africa, I'm not a black kid. I'm just a kid. I mean, is this what it feels like for you all the time? Yeah, I guess. Feels good. Woo-hoo! Mm-hmm. And R- Richie is kind of like perplexed by it because, you know, he's never thought about it. And 
it's something again it doesn't it doesn't look to lecture anyone it doesn't look to as you said it isn't it isn't crossing into that edutainment uh very special episode uh territory it's just an honest expression of you know static being in a place surrounded by you know people that look like him and what that means to him and as you mentioned specifically a superhero who uh you know is a little bit older and more mature and and but all together they go on this this fun adventure you know against this tiger tiger man what did we decide he was <laughs> leopard tiger man leopard he has stripes but i but the the store the name that they give him is the name of a tiger so uh, i i guess i guess he's a tiger but anyway um but at the end there as you mentioned he he kind of tells anansi the spider that uh that uh you know he's so he's so glad that you know that he that there was a uh, a black superhero for kids to look back in, in the United States. And Anansi tells him there is, and he, you know, he points right at Virgil and it really feels like uh, that, that that's an important moment for, you know, where we see Virgil begin to take those steps towards, uh, you know, when we see the, the far future versions of static shock, where he's one of the greatest heroes, uh, you know, he's in, in the justice league. He's right, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Batman and, and some of these other great heroes of, of DC legend. So it's really cool to see kind of the building blocks of that, where this, you know, cool, kind man uh, in, in Anansi takes the time to, uh, to sort of mentor Virgil know that you can be that hero for people you can be that symbol of hope and that symbol for, for obviously not just for black people but in, in this episode it was specifically about about that representation and about and about the importance of that and i i thought it was it was just handled really well and uh you know on top of that it's just a fun fun story where uh the spider and static fight a tiger man there you go and that uh we did not mention uh we covered that back on episode 116 of the dcau review and that episode was written by the late great Dwayne mcduffie which uh shout out to our friends over at watchtower database who just uh released a a love letter to mr mcduffie on their youtube channel you can check yes. that out uh, on their youtube channel we are a part of their youtube channel on the pod tower so if you're wa- listening to this episode on on uh, YouTube, uh, swing on over and check them. Their uh, their late one of their latest videos out. Their their documentary and, and tribute to the late great Mr. Dwayne McDuffie, uh, who of course created Absolutely. Static and a lot of those other or co created Static and a lot of those other milestone characters. So, uh, yeah, just just a great one and and definitely worth mentioning. Uh, and if you haven't, it, you know, a lot of times the the episodes that we cover here, you may be familiar with, and we are well aware that the Static you know Static episodes are probably a little less on your radar um this is one that i would definitely advise going to check out if you if you haven't seen it and it's also available on hbo max we are not shilling hbo max (laughs) uh, but we could we would we would yes we absolutely would (laughs) for proper compensation hbo max if you're listening that's right that's right so my final choice for the plot department will be the episode that we covered back in episode 102 of our show cal and that is the Justice League Unlimited episode for the man who has everything. Oh man, it's such a such a great great episode. Of course, uh, not that long ago, uh, you know, forty eight episodes ago or so. And uh, and but uh, this, of course, is one of those episodes that ended up being a a direct adaptation of a Alan Moore comic. And and one of the most interesting things I know that we point out. 
in that is that Alan Moore is not a fan of adaptations of his work. <laughs> He's very outspoken about not translating his 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 comic book work into movies or other media or taking the characters that he created and using them in other media without you know without his advisory or being involved uh, very outspoken about that but interestingly enough he i guess approved enough of this episode to have his name tagged onto it yeah, that's right. A lot of things you will just, yeah, Alan Moore uh, written things that get adapted. You will just see the name based on the the graphic novel illustrated by, and you'll see Dave Gibbons' name on the Watchmen movie, but you won't see Alan Moore's name, that kind of stuff. So we actually see, based on the story by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, both credited at the start of that episode. So it's wholly unique whatever i think whatever you think of alan moore as a person his you know he's very outspoken politically uh his opinions on the comics industry and superhero stories as a whole has sort of uh changed over the years certainly but uh taking such a a pretty direct adaptation there's some minor changes uh robin is actually in the comic book version but um and i think the the krypton stuff is as is a little more streamlined but uh, just as a story, this honestly, like for the sake of variety, I didn't do this, but I probably could have nominated this for all four categories um, because there's great musical moments. There's great, uh, there's some great visuals and uh, the fight, the fight, the action part of the episode is, of course, Mongol has has uh, attacked Superman and, and, and thrown this this strange plant onto his body that. Uh, causes you to hallucinate and kind of see your heart's desire. So we see Wonder Woman and Batman dealing with Mongol and the Fortress of Solitude. So there's some fun action there. Wonder Woman really has a rough go of it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, but in the meantime, we see sort of what Superman's true heart's desire is. And it's another thing that I think is so uh, authentically Superman, which is that he doesn't see himself. He doesn't see, you know, the injustice style, you know, he's not ruling the world. He's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a, a leader or a political voice at all. He's living on a farm with a wife that happens to be a combination of his two, you know, his only two romantic uh, uh, loves that we know of, at least those being Lana Lang and Lois Lane. And he has a son and a dog and he lives on a farm on krypton and he just has a family life and you know his his father jarell you see him alive and sort of and so like that's and that's i think that's so cool that like and and interesting like that's ultimately the most selfish desire that superman has is to live like a nice quiet life (laughs) yeah it's a great in the family it's a great insight into that character. You know, we, we just mentioned it a minute ago, but the idea that this person is Clark Kent, he just happens to have, he just happens to be the strongest, most super powered individual in the, in the DC universe also, but he's really at his heart, a farm boy from Kansas who loves the quiet and he loves his family and has this innate desire to just be with his family in peace doing mundane normal 
American things, Midwest American things, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, like you would picture a lot of people probably from Kansas doing. And, um, you know, so for, for his ultimate fantasy to be this mashup of being reunited with his Kryptonian parents and his Kryptonian uh, on his Kryptonian home, but yet it having so much of that Kansas Lana, uh, you know, stuff mashed in with it it just done incredibly well yeah and i I think that uh you know it it's the and his sort of realization he begins to sort of have these feelings that it's fake he sort of hears echoes of batman's voice trying to wake him up and he sort of sees things he he begins to figure out uh what what isn't worrying but i think uh, the 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 most the greatest scene is when he has to say goodbye to the world and he speaks to his son. Five Dad! Dad! You've got to look at the... What's... What's the matter? Why are you... Van, when you were born, it was the happiest day of my life. When I first saw your beautiful little face... Your tiny fingers squeezed my hand so tight, like you never wanted to let go. I've watched every step, every struggle. I've... But Vanna... Rao, help me. But I don't think you're real. I don't think any of this is real. Don't say that, Daddy. Please, you're scaring me. No, no. I don't want to scare you, Van. You are everything I ever wanted in a son. This, this is everything I ever wanted in a life. But I've got responsibilities, Van. And I have to go now. him you know how every day that you know his son has been alive that he remembers it was a gift he remembers seeing him born he remembers you know him touch you know holding him for the first time and even though at that point superman has realized that this is all fake he is still like he's he's like cradling and comforting this child that he knows isn't real (laughs) because he because not only because he feels like it's real, he has this familial collection, but you know, the kid says, Oh, you're scaring me. And he's like, Oh, I, I don't want to scare you. Like he's, he's telling him like he's comforting him even as he, he knows it's fake. And he tells him like, he's, he's apologetic. He tells him like, I have responsibilities. I have to go. And, you know, you see, you see him embrace his son one last time and tell him that he'll never forget this. And, and as Krypton explodes once again, and and then you you cut from that deep sadness that he feels to the the righteous fury that he then takes out in this dramatic you know vicious violent knockdown dragout uh, fight with 
mongol to sort of wrap up the episode it's it's it gives me chills it gives me chills it brings tears to my eyes at some point it makes me pump my fist at other points it's it's really quite special yeah it's 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 done incredibly well it's a 20 the i mean the beauty of it too is it's a 22 minute episode and they pack so much into that episode it does have the original trinity obviously it's it's not an over over packed one there's a lot of action that's sprinkled in between uh and certainly one that is is deserved of talking about of the best Certainly the best in the DCAU, if not, I mean, and if, if you're not, if you don't look at it that way, certainly the best of, of the Justice League Unlimited episodes. So uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And um, it really, really, if you're a Superman lover, like you are, Liam, I mean, like Superman's your jam that you, you're, you can't help but love that episode. So absolutely. Um, and I think you're right. Superman is what we would call an empath for sure. He's, he's definitely yeah. an empath at heart. So that's a great showcase of that empathy that he shows uh, as he's sort of ripping off his own met- metaphorically ripping off his own arm to, in order to go back and do what he has to do. So really, absolutely. Lovely. All right, Liam, we'll move on to my final pick here for favorite pots that we've covered thus far. And uh, interestingly enough, we actually just covered this as a special guest spot. Our friends over at the podcast pizza and parsecs were kind enough to have us on to discuss this. Uh, But we, we covered this way back, way back there on episode eight of the DCAU. Man, we, 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 we got this one out of the way real early. And that was that being, of course, the full length feature film, Batman mask of the phantasm, Uh, you know, the superlatives thrown out uh, for this are, you know, well known. A lot of people know that this is arguably uh, and often referred to as the best Batman story of all time. Uh, This was, of course, written by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, Martin Pascoe and Michael Reeves. Um, and of course the, you know, the, the people that, what a foursome, by the way, just like powerhouses of superhero writing, like for serious. And you had, of course you had Eric Radomski working on this, Bruce, Tim, a friend of the show, Kevin Altieri worked on this. Uh, Mm -hmm. so you had, you had the who's who of working on this, uh, movie that was released to little fanfare because of the way that it was ultimately released a quote unquote box office flop, but has since been, uh, is, is often referred to, as I mentioned, revered as the, the best Batman story, if not the best Batman movie of all time. And, uh, Liam, you know, in a nutshell, if you guys want to hear our deep dive thoughts on it, go check out, like we said, the latest episode of our friends, uh, over at pizza and parsecs, they have a great podcast they were kind enough uh kind enough to have us on to talk about this uh it was nice to review it especially since we hadn't had talked about it so early on in our in our (laughs) run here for for our podcast but uh reviewing that and watching it again and watching the remastered version uh was really quite a joy for me and really I looking back at our score, I think we, we settled on we're we're in the low thirties or I think 33 or 32 out of 40 each, but thinking about the plot of this movie, just in a nutshell, thinking about Batman's, tr- the tragedy of Batman, him c- taking this oath to, to defend his parents 
and then falling mm-hmm. in love shortly thereafter, re- never thinking that this was going to happen. Him battling with the guilt that he has, that he feels this obligation, that his parents are looking down at him and demanding that he keep this oath. What am I still doing this for? It's got to be one or the other. I can't have it both ways. I can't put myself on the line as long as there's someone waiting for me to come home. Miss Beaumont would be glad to know you feel that way, Master Bruce. She's holding on line one, sir. Master Bruce? Alfred, I can't. Not now. What shall I say, sir? I don't know. I just don't know! It doesn't mean I don't care anymore. I don't want to let you down, honest, but... But it just doesn't hurt so bad anymore. You can understand that, can't you? Look... I can give money to the city. They can hire more cops. Let someone else take the risk. But it's different now. Please. I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise. But I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Tell me that it's okay. Maybe they already have. Maybe they sent me. This parallel line that he runs with Andrea Beaumont, who is his love interest, who ends up veering off and 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 switching from that justice or that 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 passion for justice to that passion for vengeance and retribution, and her, of course, switching off and murdering the people that 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 stole her life and stole the opportunity that Bruce or that she feels stole the opportunity uh, for her and Bruce to be together and have a life together. And uh, you throw Mark Hamill's Joker in there and a lot of just brilliant writing, beautiful, beautiful uh, dialogue. I mean, just, just, it's a masterpiece. What, what else can we say about the best Batman (laughs) or arguably the best Batman movie of all time? Yeah, it's it's quite tremendous. Like uh, like you said, uh, you know, thanks again to Dave and Liv for for having us on the Pizza and Parsex show. We talked quite at length about it there, uh, and uh, definitely uh, hope people check that out. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tremendous story. The sort of dichotomy between uh, you know Bruce and Andrea both having this moment where they find love and then it's torn from them. Not you know kind of not of their own volition and sort of the paths that they choose to go down from there and, and uh, you know, sort of how deeply they know each other and, and how well that, uh, you know, they, they really are so similar. And as you said, throwing in, you know, in the midst of this tragic, you know, dramatic love story to throw in the, you know, the, the ultimate monkey wrench of, you know, of just evil and, and nihilism and uh, of the Joker is really, it really just creates this incredible recipe for, as you said, 
arguably, um, and maybe less, maybe it's less arguable in my head after we we revisited it recently, but arguably the best Batman film ever made. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm sure uh, we may once again talk about it here as we move through our next categories. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will leave that alone for the moment. But uh, let's switch over, Liam, to visuals. Uh, I will kick us off here talking about, as we switch categories here, some of my favorite visuals uh, from the past 149 episodes that we've covered. And uh, a number coming in, uh, again, we're not ranking them one to three or three to one, but the first one that I'll mention and throw out there is going to be uh, Batman the Animated Series episode Two-Face. Um, and we covered that episode back again very early on as we do all of our Batman the Animated Series episodes in order. So that one was way back uh, on episode 10. Uh, so uh, quite quite a while ago, uh, but Two Face is one of those episodes that stands out for a multitude of reasons. It's a great story. It's one of the great tragedies of of Batman the Animated Series and Batman's Rogues Gallery, and they do such a great job of obviously setting up the Harvey Dent character. But uh, mm. there's so much of that episode in particular. Um, that stands out to me. I think that the scene to me that stands out and is maybe one of the most iconic in Batman, the animated series is after Harvey has gone through this horrible accident and disfiguration, uh, Batman comes upon him and you see Batman sort of cower away in shock after, after this explosion has done something to Harvey and it's not revealed just what has happened to him. Batman's face is shocked and his eyes are wide and Kevin Conroy delivers his, his iconic line of Harvey. No. And uh, so they cut to the next scene and his fiance grace is coming to the hospital to visit him. And just as they do, the, the doctors are taking the bandages off of his face. Now you understand there's going to be some scarring, but I've already scheduled a surgeon. Harvey, maybe you should wait until... I said give me a mirror. Now. or Harvey himself freaking out and demanding to see a mirror and then him freaking out. He comes out of the, the hospital room just as Grace arrives and he's trying to shield his face from, from her and he turns and the lightning strikes and you see this horrifying disfigured face, very Phantom of the Opera-like 
scene mm-hmm. and the music swells and the lightning strikes and grace faints just from the shock of it happening. And it's, it's one of the most iconic scenes I think in Batman, the animated series. And it's, it's done so incredibly well. Uh, there's, there's more to be had both in this episode and the next episode that we talked about their shadow work that they use early on in the, in the first part of the episode, sort of literally foreshadowing the transformation later mm-hmm. on, but from Harvey to two face. And it's, it's done really, really well. Um, one of those that maybe, you know, we've, we've in all of these episodes, there's probably something we could pick out visually and say, man, that's really, really great. But this one in particular, I, I wanted to pull out and say, yeah, that, that scene it's really good it's it's so yeah it's so amazing um as you mentioned we we have a little bit of backstory because harvey had had uh appeared in those previous episodes so when you see this when you see the visuals of this terrible a horrible disfigurement and and sort of the you know the violence of of the two-faced persona taking hold uh, it's really quite incredible. The visual that really sticks out in my mind is is the very last thing we see after at the end of part two, as as Two Face has been captured and is being taken to jail. And um, and Commissioner Gordon asks Batman, "Do you think there's hope for him?" And and Batman says, "Where there's love, there's hope." But a little luck wouldn't hurt. And we see him flip the coin. We follow the coin. It falls to the fountain and and f- slowly floats you know to the bottom of the fountain there it's such a simple thing but it sticks out to me as like this you know icon uh, of that series of, of just batman flipping the coin into the into the fountain at the end that, that of course was directed by our friend of the show kevin altieri who we had uh, on episode 135 when we discussed off balance but uh really really done really really well Absolutely. And that will bring me to my first full selection. I'm also picking a two-parter from Batman the Animated Series, as fate would have it. Um, I have picked uh, a two-parter that we covered back in episode 35 of our show, and that would be Feet of Clay, parts one and two. Although everything I think I'm going to talk about is really uh, from part two. Uh, ironically, as uh, actually the full transformation from the actor Matt Hagen into Clayface doesn't happen until uh, until part two, and probably for the best, as the animation team on part one was uh, our favorites, uh, Acom Production Company. Yikes! Um, so, so uh, there's not not a ton of that, but part two, which is uh, which is done by uh, by TMS, which is sort of one of the the cream of the crop uh, Japanese animation and directed by friend of the show kevin altieri uh feet of clay part two especially is uh just such a f- uh no pun intended a feat uh that they were able to pull all of this off and uh how good it looks the transformation effects on Clayface, uh even simple things like when he's first sort of transforming and and a friend we'll say uh is is sort of excited and telling him like, "Hey, you can you can be Matt Hagen again. It's all good." And he he sort of realizes that he his when his concentration's broke, he can't control the the changing, and he sort of drops to his knees and he says, "You know, I'm not an actor anymore. I'm not even a man." And we just see this like 
this clay mud monster sobbing. Like there's so many interesting visuals there, not to mention all of the just tremendous transformation effects from, uh, from TMS. What are you doing? Stop it. Look at the maggot. Look at what you used to be. No, no. Turn them off. You can play those roles again, Hagen. Let me help you find a cure. No! Hagen's gone! Make him stop haunting me! Stop it! Stop it! Turn them off! I can't control it! I can't be all of them! Not all at once! It's really, really, I mean, it's done really, really well. The whole transformation, we, I believe we just, uh, we posted it not too long ago because we just passed the anniversary of it. Um, it, it's released uh, not too long ago on our Instagram. And it's the entire scene when you realize that this is pre-digital animation, this is all hand-drawn stuff. This is all the, it's, it's just mind boggling how incredibly well done it is and uh and how him switching between each of those characters and them cutting back and forth to the television you know the television screens of the different characters and him morphing into these things and realizing what a difficult task it was and how well it was executed uh hard not to pick that one as a as a great visual for, uh for top visual for the ones that we've covered thus far yeah some of the and uh, i believe uh, on the the commentary track they did for that episode uh uh, Bruce Tim and then Kevin Altieri mentioned that a lot of those extra little twists, like, you know, when he's transforming at the end, like his, you know, he'll like be like half of each model at once. And then like his head will spin and then his whole body will spin and another transformation will take play. A lot of that was uh, TMS, the animation company sort of doing that of their own volition and, and bringing that sort of like hot, like manga horror side uh, into into uh, into this character, and it's just it's it's definitely one of if if you asked me like what is like the single like one scene if we had to narrow, thankfully we're not trying to narrow it down that much but this that scene of of him doing all transforming into all these various roles that Matt Hagen has played is definitely uh, it would definitely be on the short list. That's right. All right, William. Let's move on. Uh, my next choice for favorite visuals actually comes from a episode, a few episodes before that, which was all the way back on episode 32. 
And that is when we covered a two-parter from Justice League early on in the Justice League run, that being The Enemy Below. And uh, this is actually... Uh, if you're if that that one leaves you head scratching, you're like, I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't remember that one. That is the introduction or the reintroduction of Aquaman, Arthur Curry, uh, King of Atlantis, and uh, f- featured. I think one of the most surprisingly interesting visuals uh, in the whole Justice League run. And that's uh, that comes at the very end of the episode after uh, Aquaman's brother Orn has betrayed him and and has decided to kill him in order to to take the crown of Atlantis. So not only does he 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 capture and and tie Aquaman to this giant cliff that is that he sort of pushes off towards this volcanic river, uh, underwater volcanic river, but he also ties Aquaman's young child, a uh, young baby boy and hangs him uh also from this uh from this this cliff so aquaman is standing there and this piece of the cliff is slowly drawing towards this uh river of lava and you know that uh doom is impending and not only for aquaman but for his son so he he takes off his belt buckle and the music starts to swell and he's starting to he gets one of his hands free and he's able to take the belt buckle off and try to chop away at the rock and he realizes at some point that he's not going to make it and there's this visual of his hand coming up the music swelling the baby is crying and you see him jam bring bring the belt buckle down towards his hand Search the entire palace. But there's still no sign of him. very next scene he walks uh or in a few scenes later he he walks back into uh the kingdom of atlantis into the throne room much to the surprise of orn and and uh and and aquaman's wife mira and she looks at him and she sees that he has their child and she's so overjoyed but then she looks at his hand and sees that it's wrapped up and of course this is the origin of hook-handed aquaman in the dcau and just just like 
thinking about that scene, I, I remember when we reviewed it, just from just thinking about how powerful that was and what a, what a great visual of not only uh, this man who is so uh, he, he, he had no other choice. He was at his wits end, but that compassionate fatherly love that it didn't matter, that sacrificial love, he was going to give up his own hand if he had to, in order to save his son's life. And it's such a powerful visual uh, that that's brought into. And then of course the, the sweet revenge of the fight between him and Orin at the end, uh, it kind of makes it well worth it. But uh, yeah, that was one that I remember being overly impressed and not remembering how powerful it was and what a great, great visual sequence it was uh until we watched it again yeah that's a that's a great one that was not one i necessarily would have come straight to my mind but it's a great pick uh uh, a lot of fun like just superhero action in that in that as well part one you have uh, the first dcau appearance of deadshot Mm -hmm. and you you see the justice league all sort of chasing him through the city and we see this sort of normal mortal man kind of uh you know he keeps the the league on their toes he's able to kind of outsmart superman and wonder woman and some of the more powerful members and it isn't until uh kind of near the end of the fight when they they get him that they they they're all kind of finally able to work together to bring him down but it's yeah some really cool visual stuff and yeah that that final fight between uh between aquaman and and orm there at the end it's very uh very star warsy uh i feel like it's very uh, it's very dramatic and shakespearean and they uh yeah, just some really, really strong visuals all around. And Cal, that will bring me to my second choice. Um, and this is an episode, this is actually a three-parter, uh, or and I believe it was also released on home video as a, a standalone movie. Um, it's what uh, we covered back in episode 46. It is The Savage Time, parts one through three. Uh this this is this there's so many elements here especially from a visual standpoint you have uh you know the 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 justice league coming back from a some sort of deep space journey and they they're surrounded by you know all of this like uh i mean for lack they don't use the word nazi but it's nazi stuff right like right, right. absolutely so immediately Hitler himself is seen at one point. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's first off. I mean, that's something for a kid's cartoon, right? Like, <laughs> Not a lot of like SS imagery and, uh, you know, in SpongeBob, I don't think, but uh, I would hope not anyway. <laughs> but, but uh, for this, for this story, they, uh, you know, that there were, you know, of course it's, it's a great, you know, grand goofy superhero plot of uh this this villainous vandal savage uh, going back in time and rewriting history so that the nazis won world war ii and uh so the first part we kind of see the justice league dealing with the present of that they see an alternate version of batman who's a you know a man very much not afraid to use a gun or uh, other sort of lethal methods and and then uh, they're able to sort of go back in time from there. And, and then we get, you know, the Justice League in World War Two, And we see, you know, uh, air, you know, era specific uh, fighter pilots and, you know, both on the good guys and the bad guys. You know, John Stewart teaming up with uh, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. We see, you know, the big war wheels and uh, probably the standout in, in a couple of different ways. Blackhawks appearing and and uh, a lot of these fun uh, World War II era characters. Um, I believe these these episodes were directed uh, by by Dan Reba and Gick uh, respectively. 
and uh, yeah, they just did a a tremendous job over these these three these three parts. There, they just uh, they just really uh, really just went hog wild. Every sort of uh, DC Comics World War II deep cut they could fit in there. There, it's on display there, and it, it all culminates in this incredible sort of air battle at the end. Yeah, it's it's obviously memorable for a lot of those visuals. You have, as you mentioned, John Stewart working with Easy Company. You have uh steve trevor working with wonder woman you have mm-hmm. you have a, all of these elements working together and then of course the the heroes get split up and are working on different sides and or not different sides but in different areas and uh it's 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 done really really well it's one of those episodes that when you're talking about that original justice league run is in in the discussion for the these are the must watches these are the can't skips these are the these are the two thumbs up that we would say is you got to watch them just because they're really, really done really, really well um, for multitude of reasons. So uh, yeah, the visuals in it, the war wheels, the, 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 you know, the world war two imagery, all of that stuff. Like it's just done really, really well. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, that will move us on. will move me on to my third and final pick here as we discuss our favorite visuals uh, and that would be going back to episode 15, way back there. Uh, we discussed, uh, as we kind of went through very quickly, a lot of the Dark Side Apocalypse episodes, and uh, which culminated, of course, uh, right then and there with our review of Apocalypse Now on episode 15. Again, very early on in our run, very early on in our Superman, the animated series reviews, and that is one that looking back at it now, wow, what, what a iconic episode uh, for a multitude of reasons. Obviously it's the, it's the, the first battle between Superman and dark side, certainly not the last battle that we would see, see between the two of them uh, as he would continue to come back. But we get to the, what if, what if, what if dark side decided to invade earth and decides to, decide to try and take over and the between the scores of parademons and the red skies that uh that's uh that affect metropolis and just the the battle war torn streets of metropolis and uh culminating in this this tragic scene uh, as superman finally beats back and uh with the help of of the new gods who arrive on the scene to help him uh, as Orion has brought to the cavalry, so to speak, uh, to, to defend earth, uh, dark side gets one last blow into Superman and kills Dan Turpin. And, uh, the, the final scene, first of all, that scene in and of itself, again, death, Oof. not something that was very, uh, very prominent or really allowed to be shown at all. And in this, this scene, Dan Turpin is murdered. <laughs> Superman cries yeah. out murderer and and uh dark side grins and and retreats back into a boom tube much and Superman is unable to get his hands on him and then we've talked about it a lot but uh Superman then taking his fists and attempting to to take out all of his anger and frustration and even though he's the most powerful being on earth he can do nothing all of his power means nothing at that point because he can't bring dan turpin back there's nothing that he can do and he blames himself and he's he's disappointed and he destroys this tank 
as everybody watches on with all this power and all of this frustration, but there's, there's nothing left to be done. It's too late. Dan Turpin has been murdered. And uh, the final scene of the episode is, is maybe, maybe the best scene in all of Superman, the animated series, probably Mm. if we're again, we're not breaking down best scene, (laughs) but if you had to pick, if I had to pick, one of my my favorite scene, boy, this is this is in the running for favorite scene, as he stands at Dan Turpin's grave just after the funeral. And... Goodbye, old friend. In the end, the world didn't really need a superman. Just a brave one. down and you see the very iconic here lies earth's greatest hero which of course was a nod to the death of superman storyline in the early 90s and uh but this time it's applied to dan turpin's on dan turpin's grave and superman delivers the line in the end the world didn't really need a superman just a brave one there you go and man i got chills thinking about it the music the line the delivery everything about that um that's one that's one that'll have you have you feeling like it's getting a little dusty in the room too if you're not careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just perfectly done and then for them to flash across the screen not the end because uh, you know that Superman will eventually uh, seek justice on behalf of Dan Turpin. It's uh, it's it's really good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the you know just that final silhouette shot of of Superman. Uh, with the, with with some beautiful hashtag cape movement uh, in the, uh, uh, blowing in the wind and, and him sort of standing at the grave, you just sort of see you see Superman, you see the, the silhouette of the gravestone, and you see a like a, a you know a bare tree sort of behind him, and and then just kind of the the bright orange sky, and it's just it, yeah, it's 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 breathtaking, it's it's incredible. That's right. And that will bring us to the final installment in our visual categories here, Cal. I have one last one to talk about here. And this is another three-part slash direct-to-DVD movie. I'm kind of cheating by using all these three-parters, I think. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, my, my last one will be uh, something that we reviewed in the 100th episode of our show. That is, of course, Starcrossed and... You know, another episode that probably could have shown up in a lot of these categories. You have the, you know, the drama of, you know, this is kind of, this is the end. This is the series finale of the original Justice League show. You have the, you know, the bitter end of the, the, of the Hawk Girl and Green Lantern romance as you, as you find out that she was lying to him, lying to everyone, and that she was sort of a scout sent by the Sanagarian army, uh, only for it to turn out later on 
that even she didn't really know what the Thangarians were going to do as, as they planned to just destroy the earth. Uh, um, and sort of, you know, it's, it's very dramatic. There's great music, there's great vo- voice performances, but uh, I think what really stands out above all else for that episode is the visuals specifically in part three, you have Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, the Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, all in this giant space battle with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Thanagarian ships. And then Green Lantern makes it inside. And again, very Star Wars like has this incredibly violent and brutal fight with Commander Hro Talek. And he, uh, he, and, and among things, he not only is he cut and bruised, but he, has has his ring cut off and uh and and by by protalix axe and uh it's just it's just amazing like it's the brutality of that final act of that third part uh, uh so many great visuals in uh, in starcross there the force field control is over here That is what you came for, yes? You want it? All you have to do is get by me. It'll be a pleasure. (laughs) No, this won't be like the last time you took something that belonged to me. Anything I took was freely offered. Maybe you should take better care of your stuff. words yeah you can kiss my axe It's really, really strong. Uh, it's one one of the. It's the greatest way to end. I think one of the series, like not not all of the series, got a, a proper send off, uh, and obviously they weren't. They they were sort of planting seeds for the Justice League Unlimited, and I guess you could argue that Superman got somewhat of a send off with Legacy, but a lot of the a lot of the series just kind of sort of don't have a proper end to them. So for justice league to have this end that feels both final, but also opening the door for what was going to come next. Uh, it, yeah, done, done really well. And the visuals in it are, are certainly memorable and, and well worth discussing. Yeah, absolutely. And my final note before we move on to our next category would be that uh, the bat cave fight scene uh, is uh, where the justice league sort of regroups in, in Gotham city and, suits back up in the bat cave as a bunch of Thanagarians show up and you know we get we get things like Mr. Freeze's gun involved uh 
Batman using the sort of the Earth One sonar, or I should say, a Year One gag, the the sonar that attracts a bunch of bats to attack them, and a Manhunter going inside uh, one of the Thanagarian's heads to sort of rip information from him. Just some real, especially as uh, as that as uh, we got into that that last part of that uh, that three parter. Agreed. They gave that justice for Alfred after he was manhandled. That's right. <laughs> All right, Liam, moving on. Uh, we will move on to our next category here, which is going to be music. Uh, so we talk about music a lot and the pivotal nature of each of these episodes. Uh, I will uh, go ahead and give give your top three. We'll give these right in a row here for the sake of time. Um, go ahead and, and list off your, your favorite music thus far that we've covered. Yeah, so I uh, again hard to pick just three, but I ended up with uh, my my first one being "Nothing to Fear," which uh, we covered way back in episode three of our show. Way back there, um, yeah, just some tremendous musical moments in in that one. Uh... Bruce. No, not now. You are a disgrace. No, no, you are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Involving the main uh, Shirley Walker Batman theme. Uh, my second choice was, uh, as we have already talked about it, the Savage Time. Um, particularly, the moment that stands out for that is the is the Blackhawks theme by Lolita Ritmanis. one of my favorite pieces of music in, in any of these shows ever. Uh, and then uh, my final choice being, it really couldn't be any other. If you, if you've, li- if you're a long time listener to the show, it's uh, one that we covered back in episode seven, and that is the forgotten. Batman! 
acoustic guitar and harmonica uh and and all of this really like awesome western music but also also mixed in with uh some some uh some classic sort of orchestral music with the batman theme and everything so uh, those are my top three i love those those are all iconic i love that they they come from various different uh different shows uh, really showing the impact across the entire DCAU. We love talking about the music, obviously. So, uh, and, and how much of a of its own character it tends to be in various episodes. Um, the forgotten being on your list is is like the least least surprising thing. I think <laughs> I think if anybody <laughs> listens to this show, uh, and certainly me being being blood related to you knows. Uh, that that was going to be on the list for you. Uh, so my three, and and again, this is probably vice versa for you. Uh, uh, the last laugh, which we covered way back on episode four. Boys, it's playtime. <laughs> it's about time. What are we waiting for? Just iconic. It's it's Shirley Walker, the late great Shirley Walker, in her in all of her glory. It's a from the from the opening beat of the episode. It's this driving. Uh, I, I think I, I don't know what it's accordion or something. I mixed in with this heavy bass line and and <laughs> and, and string instruments. It's so good um big fan of that one that's one that i could listen to on repeat of course we also get the joker theme mixed in there mm-hmm. uh, the, the standard joker theme that would come back over and over but just really really good uh, my second choice was actually one that i had not remembered until we ended up reviewing it and it's one that ends up coming back several different times and that is uh the green lantern theme from in brightest day <laughs> Hey, 
which was uh, what we reviewed back on yeah. episode 122, which was uh, Superman, the animated series episode in Brightest Day. It's where we get our first introduction to Green Lantern into the DCAU. And it's a it's a it's a theme that we talked about on that episode that lends itself to almost feel like they were writing something for that Green Lantern character to possibly get his own spinoff or it's just written. It's, it's an epic feel to it. Uh, I hate that using that overused word, but it hasn't a, a very soundtrack uh, soundtrack uh, oriented vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course it would then later come back into play in justice league unlimited. And then uh, even in the, uh, the credits uh, as we, we actually discovered as we were listening not too long ago, the credits for justice league versus the fatal five uh, features the theme as well. So it has been one that has come back several times in various forms in the DCAU and then wrapping uh, wrapping up uh, maybe a surprise. We go back to Batman, the animated series, and that was episode 53. And that was episode uh, the episode appointment in crime alley, uh, which is probably not one that unless you're, you're a hardcore Batman animated fan, you will remember. Uh, but that's the episode with uh, Dr. Leslie Tompkins and Batman's rushing to save her from a, from a building that Roland Daggett is attempting to destroy in order to be able to build uh, build giant towers on uh, no real world implications on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just some light <laughs> gentrification talk on this <laughs> early nineties Fox kids weekday <laughs> afternoon cartoon. <laughs> Perfect. Just perfect. But that that theme uh, is one that once I heard it, it's it, and once you hear it, it it is just it's just so great. It plays throughout the the episode, really drives the the tension, and and uh, again, as as we often say, it creates the uh, the atmosphere and is a, a character in its own right. Uh, so those were my three musical notes here. Uh, so Liam, uh, we will move to our final category here of the day, and we will talk about our favorite voice acting performances, which I think for me, this was the hardest one to try and whittle <laughs> three down to. Yeah, we could, we could be here for another two hours just talking about the, uh, and again, if we, if we were really giving it, uh, giving it, giving each of these categories their due, we, we could, each one could have its own episode, but uh, for the sake of brevity here, we have done our best to narrow it down to three here. Um, my first one on my list being uh, one we covered back in episode 60. It's actually the last two episodes of Superman, the animated series, that being Legacy. And there's a lot, there's some good performances. Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor is good. Lois, uh, Dana Delaney's Lois Lane has some good moments. Nicole Thomas, Supergirl. But what it really comes down to is the end of that episode, uh, at the end of part two, 
the the confrontation between Tim Daly Superman and Michael Ironside as Darkseid is just uh, it's like it's uh, like the, some of the words that are said there are just so burned in my brain and it so uh, does such a great job of encapsulating that uh, that dark side and Superman rivalry. You used me. I told you once, Superman, if you would not be my knight, you would be my pawn. I see you're a man of your word. I am many things, kal You couldn't begin to imagine half of them. But for now, I shall take the role of executioner. A final gift, my wayward son. A fast death. Infinitely preferable to the shame of returning to Earth. There your legacy would be one of fear and distrust. A pariah desperately chasing the favor of a world that cursed your name. That's for Dan Turpin. Who? The good man you murdered. Had I known one human's death would pain you so, I would have killed more. Yeah, the, I, I think if, if, if we are on the same wavelength, you know, when Superman decides to punch him and says, that's for Dan Turpin, and, and Darkseid comes back so smugly and says, yeah. who? Oh, yeah. so, so good, man. Michael Ironside, uh, very, very iconic voice. And, uh, you know, one of those things that when you think of Darkseid's voice, like, man, just perfectly cast. And you're right, that that final battle between the two of them, just mm, chef's kiss on that one. Absolutely. Uh, my my second choice will be uh, one we reviewed way back in episode 19 uh, of which is uh, the one of I think one of the most memorable episodes of any of these shows, a uh, world's finest, uh, aka the Batman Superman movie. If you watched it on home video, um, but yeah, it's you have it. This is one that almost had to be there because you have the first meeting of of Tim Daly Superman and Kev, Kevin Conroy's Batman, but you know almost equally as important, you have uh, you have Mark Hamill's Joker meeting Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor. <laughs> Rich Corinthian leather. What do you want? I sense we are kindred spirits, you and I. Oh, there are differences, to be sure. Like hair. (laughs) But underneath it all, we are both entrepreneurs. Men of vision. We see an opportunity, we grab it. Am I right? Right. But in the past few weeks, I've had a run of bad luck. Bad luck that wears a cape. Thanks to that miserable, pointy-eared rodent Batman, all my operations in Gotham City have been shut down. But you, too, have an overgrown bully in long underwear. 
Which brings me to my little proposition. I'm listening. Pay me one billion dollars and I'll kill Superman. <laughs> What makes you think you can kill Superman when you can't even handle a mere mortal in a Halloween costume? There's nothing near about that mortal. And uh, the four of them, along with, of course, you know, Arlene Sorkin as Harley in that episode, you know, Dan Delaney as Lois, just, just an, just an all-star cast, and seeing those iconic characters meet for the first time here, play off each other, just, just some tremendous work. You even get hashtag my Alfred thrown in there with Ephraim Zimbalist yes. Jr. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's one that uh, knowing that that was going to be on your list, I, I did leave off. But yeah, that's that's in the discussion. That has to be just for so many reasons. We talked about how great it was to hear these iconic characters who you could argue belong on the voice acting Mount Rushmore of <laughs> of DC animated Uh, the DC animated universe and hear them all working together, interacting with one another and Mark Hamill interacting with Tim Daly and Clancy Brown interacting with Kevin Conroy. And then all of the, the villain play and hero play together. Just yeah. Enough superlatives cannot be shared. So (laughs) totally agree. Absolutely. And then my final choice, we, we already talked about it in great detail in the plot section, so we don't have to go too deep into it, but uh, for the man who has everything, once again, um, just uh, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Great performances by Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman and Kevin Conroy's Batman, as well as Eric Roberts as Mungle. But obviously the, the show is, is quite obviously stolen by, by George Newbern as, as Superman. And, and again, in, in the scene I, I've already spoken about of, of him comforting his son, who's isn't real. And then, uh, you know, that, that final big 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 uh fun action fight that's just uh just tremendous work all around agreed uh so liam i will give you my three favorite here the first of which uh we did already talk about and uh hard hard not to to put up there and that's mask of the phantasm uh Ooh, kevin yeah. conroy ca- carries that movie so well but then of course you have the amazingly talented Dana Delaney uh, playing somebody uh, other than Lois Lane. So playing Andrea Beaumont. And then of course, throw in Mark Hamill's Joker, Ephraim Zemblis Jr.'s Alfred. And boy, oh boy, uh, do you have just quite the treat. Uh, Kevin Conroy, I think though, his entire performance in that, uh, in that, in that, that movie is just from going from the, the light or, or the, the younger innocent Bruce Wayne all the way through to the hardened Batman. And even, even at the end, him being frustrated that he can't, he couldn't save uh, Andrea from her, what he believes to be her untimely death. And uh, the, the conversation between Ephraim Zemblis Jr. And Kevin Conroy at the end is just as Alfred comforts Bruce is, just mm-hmm. really good but i think I, I think i think the outstanding one that i think of when i think of that though is bruce pleading at the grave uh to his parents uh to let him out of this oath and when he says that he didn't count on being happy like whew, man that's so yeah. hard that's so hard <laughs> to just just watch uh really really good um second on the list here i'm gonna go with uh 
what the other uh, arguably the arguably the other best Batman movie of all time, uh, that being Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which we covered way back on episode 70. And uh, that one is another one where you look at just the various different uh, voices that are that are featured in that uh, in that movie. Of course, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill and Will Friedle, but also uh, Michael Rosenbaum making appearances and uh, Tara Strong and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the entire uh, Batman the animated series cast. Ephraim Zemus Jr. You know, so you have you have this mishmash between the two eras of. Uh, and I think Matt Valencia is even is his voice featured in it briefly. Briefly, uh, he doesn't he doesn't have many lines, but uh, but yeah, we we do briefly hear his voice as as Robin before uh, uh, his the laugh uh, later on provided is by uh, by Andrea Romano herself. But yes, we do uh, briefly hear uh, Matt Matt Valencia in that role. So yeah, and 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 Arlene Sorkin, and so you you have you have a a large cast and sort of this meeting of the two eras, and obviously that movie has a lot of uh, of of great things going for it, but not and and the 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 cast is simply I think the voice cast and the voice acting and the the interaction certainly in the final scene between Will Friedle and and Mark Hamill's Joker, just, just great. Something you probably never thought you would see. And it works so, so well uh, because you get, you get the Joker who we've, we've known and and the Joker who is not used to a Batman that quips back at him. And uh, just, just really cool. Really done. Really, really well. Oh, good. The beam's headed here. Now I'll have to start all over again. Thanks for wrecking everything, kid. See you around. Hold it. Oh, wise up, Junior. Game's over. I'm taking you in. Right. You're out of your league, McGinnis. I know every trick the original Batman and Robin knew at their peak. Maybe. But you don't know a thing about me. You? What's to know? You're a punk, a rank amateur, a costumed errand boy taking orders from a senile old man. Still, if it's a woman you're a wanting. That's right. Better to run and save yourself. It's about your speed. Let's dance, bozo. Uh, so that that one that one is added, and then wrapping up my voice voice uh, choices for best uh, voice performances, uh, I had to go back to episode twenty two, and that being Heart of Ice, and that was the very first episode that we ever <laughs> covered, uh, Liam. That ended up being a perfect forty out of forty. It's one of the few right. that have that uh, that have that designation. And the voice acting in this episode, uh, you actually have Mark Hamill playing a, a, a non-Joker character, which we discussed was a little bit distracting at times. Uh, but really, the, 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 the main focus is going to be Michael Ansara and, uh, and, and Kevin Conroy, uh, of course, Mr. Freeze and Batman, respect, respectively. Um, so it's the lines, the everything like the lines between the two of them, the lines Mr. Freeze has just as himself. It's one that I could probably from start to finish repeat. And um, it, the line that, 
that Michael Ansara's uh, Mr. Freeze delivers to Batman uh, after Batman asks him if he's really going to kill for revenge uh, to avenge his wife's death. And he, he delivers that iconic line of I'm beyond emotions. They've been frozen dead in me. That suit you wear a result of the coolant. Very good. A detective to the last. I can no longer survive out of a sub-zero environment. Tonight I mean to pay back the man who ruined my life. Our lives. Even if you have to kill everyone in the building to do it? Think of it, Batman. To never again walk on a summer's day with a hot wind in your face and a warm hand to hold. Oh yes, I'd kill for that. Just so so good. One that yeah. I will occasionally just pull up on YouTube to watch because it's so good. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's well worth a uh, a nomination. Uh, it was it, it was one of those that I I probably could have picked for every one of the categories as we discussed. A couple mm-hmm. of Heart of Ice could have been on on every one of these, but for the sake of a little bit of variety, I, I left it off except for the the voice acting. Absolutely, yeah. That's it would move me to tears. Still had tears to shed. Oh, so good, uh, so poetic, and yeah, some some great writing from Paul Dini, and uh, you know, a, a tremendous performance by Michael and Sarah. That's right. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our top pick nominees. So. With that said, we have identified two each, as we mentioned, that we are going to induct into our top pick section here that had not quite warranted that 37 out of 40, but uh, we are giving the nod to uh, just because. Uh, So I will let you go first with your first pick, and then we'll ping pong back and forth here. Sounds good. Yeah, my first pick is uh, one we, we touched on briefly in the music section here it is uh one that we covered in episode three nothing to fear um it's uh, it's 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 incredible and it's uh, like i said it's one of those things that uh you know it's it's a great plot backed up by tremendous music uh some very interesting visuals with the fear toxins some of the hallucinations batman has and uh, a great vocal performance by uh by uh by kevin conroy especially and uh, yeah, it's just uh, didn't happen to break that threshold originally, but I think uh, it's iconic. And also, you know, it's it it also happens to feature the most quoted line, the most memorable line of the entire series. Um, uh, so with the with the I am vengeance, I am the night. So I, I think it, it, for all those reasons, it's it's got to be uh, it's got to be it, posthumously inducted into our top pick section. I love that. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here and go a little bit from maybe iconic for its seriousness and, and it's iconic lines. And, and that episode in and of itself is such an important uh, early on sort of tentpole in, in the Batman, the animated series run. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here. We're headed over to, to Metropolis and I'm going to cover an episode that just fell outside of our top pick section when we reviewed it for episode 139. So not too long ago. And uh, that was the episode Mixie is pixelated, uh, which <laughs> Liam, as we discussed at the time is just a super goofy, wacky, 
doesn't belong in this universe episode, but because it features an imp from the fifth dimension or fourth, fourth dimension, fifth dimension, whatever he's, whatever dimension he's from fifth dimension, uh, it works perfectly. And it features Paul Dini's incredibly zany out there writing and uh, Gilbert Gottfried as the only person you could possibly see playing the voice of of a a fifth dimensional imp, imp <laughs> uh, just a a weary Tim Daly Superman visuals a plenty to be had goofy music uh, it's like a Tiny Toons episode was transported into the DC animated universe so uh, for those reasons it's super enjoyable we had loads of fun watching it. And I think it deserves its place amongst the best of the best in uh, as far as we're considered. I love it. I think that's, that's an outside the box pick, but I love it. And, uh, and uh, my, my second choice here will be another one we, we talked about earlier. And that is uh, the late Mr. Kent. Um, I think uh, maybe a lack of spectacular music kept it out of the, the top pick section. Um, but uh just on the strength of, like I said, that the character work done for Superman also combined with uh, some, some great vocal performances. I think this one's got to be in there just for the uniqueness of it. Yeah. I think we can't talk enough about how much we love that episode. So I love that it is now taking its rightful place in our top pick section. So way to go. Uh, And for my final entry, I think this is one that would, we, actually mentioned it when we most recently discussed it on uh on that on our friends podcast but uh miscarriage of justice of we've talked about it several times but the greatest batman movie of all time mask of the phantasm was not (laughs) in our top pick section and i pretty much decided that we were going to do this episode just so that i could induct this episode into our top picks (laughs) uh spoiler alert sorry peek behind the curtain um but uh, yeah mask of the phantasm uh for all of the reasons that we've already discussed it and uh and and because of the iconic nature and the importance of it and again watching getting our chance to watch it for our you know our friends over at pizza and parsecs podcast and kind of watching it uh with less maybe less critical of an eye and more of a, a, a looking at the story and looking at the the impact that it has on the entirety of, of Batman's this Batman psyche. Um, and of course now it's being, you know, aspects of it are being adapted into standard DC continuity. And, uh, and, and so we're, we are seeing, we are seeing just the impact of this story and, and the phantasm character and how it shapes him, him as a, as a man going forward in this DC animated universe. So, uh, yeah, that that deserves to go in in our top pick sections, no doubt. Absolutely, uh, that's that's a great pick, and yeah, it's one of those ones where like you know we don't I don't think we generally go back and listen to our ourselves uh, after we're done. So it's one of those things when we looked at, it, I was like, that isn't in the top picks. What were we do- like? Yeah, what what yeah. possibly could have been our our reasoning for not scoring this higher than it was? But. Yes, uh, rightfully so. A, a, a travesty of justice that has finally been righted today. But uh, as before we, uh, we fully wrap up here, this 150th episode, definitely a longer one. We thank everyone for sticking with us this week. But uh, we thought it would be fun since we're inducting a few episodes that didn't quite make it via their score that we would leave the last uh, top pick nominee induction 
up to our friends on Twitter and we're going to do a poll. So we each had sort of an honorable mention that we're going to uh, put into a poll and the listeners and our Twitter followers will get to choose which one of those is officially inducted as a top pick in, uh, in our, uh, our annals here. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it was a great idea by you. I love letting listeners give their opinions of it. Uh, so mine, I went with uh, one of my favorite episodes. And again, this is something that may have fallen victim to that early. We're trying to get our feet under us. We're not sure how, you know, what visuals are really going to blow us away. And this is an episode that story wise is pretty iconic. It's a great episode all around and one that I will uh, enjoy going back and revisiting over and over again. That's uh, from episode six uh, that we covered uh, way back there. And it was actually a double feature. We, we covered the underdwellers dollar in the bad episode jar, uh, <laughs> formerly known as the underdwellers jar. And uh, we covered POV and POV gets my nod for the nomination. Just a, a lot of great homages to, uh, both the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons and those old uh, noir cop shows of the of the 40s and 50s, and um, you know, just a throwback. And it's an episode that doesn't really feature Batman, but does a lot of world building and, and tells you these characters, and and uh, does a great job of storytelling. It's a unique storytelling perspective, not all that different than. Uh, almost got him, which of course we we covered in the archives with uh, best friend of the show Monica Kubina. You can check that one out uh, if you have not. I believe that was episode one thirty. But um, yeah, POV is 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 done in just such a unique way. I think that I think for me that deserves a a at least a nod and a a look at uh, from from our our friends on Twitter. Absolutely. And uh, similarly, uh, I, I went with another one that I think is a little more outside the box, at least based on this. This didn't necessarily miss the top pick section by one or two points, but uh, I had a, had some really interesting Twitter conversations about this episode recently. Uh, Twitter conversations with people that made it, in fact, um, uh, including uh, Phil Lamar uh as uh of course the voice of static shock and it is in fact a static shock episode from the second season one that we covered back in episode 137 it was our holiday episode our holiday review this past year uh and that is the episode frozen out which uh sees uh this this bang baby with sort of uh, ice powers, weather affecting powers, uh, come to town just in time for the holidays, and and Virgil, who who really just wants to focus on on you know on on having fun and relaxing, is sort of reluctantly this uh, this story that we and and we sort of we get a very honest and and sort of visceral look at at homelessness and and sort of mental mental health issues. And uh, and a few other things, and and we sort of get a nice sort of moment at the end as 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 the this character breaks down and and Static comforts her, and we get to see Static really you know, be a hero, be a be a shoulder to cry on for uh for uh for permafrost the uh, the would be villain of the episode. So I thought that's it's a little more out again. We try to go for some more outside the box ones that uh, we wouldn't necessarily think to nominate on our, on our own there. And yeah, I figured it would be fun to, uh, to give two very different choices for the, uh, for the listeners to, uh, to vote on 
of course, head to at DCAU review. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, the poll should be up. So uh, head to our Twitter and uh, let us know which one you think uh, should be in there. I love it. Yeah, definitely head on over to uh, Twitter and uh, check that out. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this week's episode. Again, we know it's a little bit longer than our standard episodes, but uh, we appreciate you going on this ride with us, this nostalgia for a podcast that's a couple years old now, (laughs) uh, which is a podcast about nostalgia having nostalgia for a a cartoons that are 25 plus years old. So go figure. Uh, (laughs) Some nostalgic inception right there, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget. You can follow us not only on Twitter at DCAU review, but you can head on over to Instagram and follow us there. Check out our store at DCAUreview.com. There's a store tab at the top of the page. Click on that. If you want to support us, you can get a shirt, hat, mug, stickers, got lots of stuff over there. Support the podcast since we don't run ads. Also, don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube on the pod tower. Our friends over at Watchtower Database and Tim Talk are also on that channel. So you get all of the DCAU content that you would ever need all in one spot. So check that out. Subscribe to us and uh, and give our videos a like as we post them. We would very much appreciate that. Liam, coming up next, we are returning to our regularly scheduled program for episode 151. And uh, we are in the middle of a month of justice league episodes which means we are returning with more justice league unlimited next week that's right cal and wrapping up this month we will be uh covering the next episode in the cadmus story arc we get we're really starting to get into the nitty-gritty with that one now and it is a really really dramatic action-packed we will be reviewing for episode 151 the doomsday sanction i cannot wait it's going to be great so tune in for that one as we return to our regular reviews beginning next saturday on your favorite podcast app and streaming of course at dcaureview.com home of the archives and the top picks section but until then i'm cal and i'm liam we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review adios happy 150 dude happy 150.